1: All right, guys, this episode is sponsored by HerdApp Marketings. Now, you've heard us talk about the Herd App Media team and all the reasons we chose to work with them and how far the Hollywood Raw podcast has come in the last few months with much more in the pipeline that we're very excited about. But at Media is only one part of the at organization.
2: Let us say one of the reasons we chose at it was their reputation as one of the premier search engine optimization agencies out there. Search optimization, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the practice of optimizing your uh, website, podcast, YouTube views, or anything else to be found as high as possible in the Google search results. Herdat Marketing serves the marketing needs of companies of all sizes, from mom-and-pop shops to S&P 500 corporations. They work with nearly 3,000 business locations in 43 states. And this was the tipping point in the decision for the Hollywood Raw.
1: So we knew that growing Hollywood Raw meant partnering with a media company that also had a full marketing arm. And that's what Herdat Marketing brings to the table. So Herdat Marketing is not just SEO. They are a full-service marketing agency with literally every service under one roof. There is nothing outsourced to partners like a lot of the other big agencies do and we mean everything social media marketing web design content marketing video production branding creative seo sem local seo all the SE whatever's they have <laughs> the team in-house to meet your needs and ours
2: yeah that's why you see our TikTok blowing up uh we're getting ready to launch a whole new website and they are the power behind the news stories that we found on our website they literally do it all for us and they can do the same for you. So, if you have a company that needs more customers or know somebody who needs new customers, you know by now that the internet is where you're going to find them. And Herd at Marketing is the company that will get you found more often than your competition. Online at herdatmarketing.com. That's H U R R D A T marketing.com. Or give them a call at 877 662 4443.
1: What's up, Dax Holt? What's up, buddy? How are you doing today?
2: I'm good, good. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Hollywood Raw podcast, where we uh, like to say we uh, reveal the fourth wall of Hollywood. We like to say we humanize Hollywood on this podcast. Uh, I'm Adam Glenn. I'm a street journalist. I'm talking to my friend Dax Holt. Dax Holt has been a long time celebrity journalist, covering and breaking some of the biggest stories in the world for more. How many years have you been in the game now? Mm. Fifteen or 15, something. Fifteen, man, that's impressive. You know, and a lot. The crazy part is, like, it's not easy to stay in the entertainment news gang for a long time. You know, I feel like a lot of it's people
1: exhausting. It's exhausting. Like, it's exhausting. draining. It takes your. It startle. never ends. It's. As-
2: Ugh. I remember when so I was up, I remember when Lindsay Lohan would come to New York and, as a street journalist, as a paparazzi on the streets of New York City, it was the most exhausting thing. You would never want her to come to New York because you were just constantly on edge. Like, something's going to happen. Either she's going to get arrested, some kind of news story is going to happen around her. I'm going to have to chase her around New York City because there's going to be some crazy story. And it's exhausting yeah. and it's draining. And again, like you said, it never ends, there's never an off day. It-
1: And we're going to be talking to someone today who has been on the other end of the coverage, like massively. So Tom Arnold is our guest today. But, wow, he was a tabloid target for many, many years, especially around the time that him and Roseanne were together and then through his divorce with Roseanne. But, I mean, I think that's how a lot of people knew him. But, like, massive target. I I remember people booing his name like he was just he was one of those people that like i think people just loved to pick on or to hate or whatever the case was so i'd love to ask him a little bit about what it was like for him back in the like what 93 94 time he,
2: it wasn't no, all I mean, bad, though. Not it, only
1: that, he, he knows everyone. He though, knows everyone.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't all bad for him. And listen, he became very close to Arnold Schwarzenegger. We hope to get into that. I mean, he's had an interesting Well, no, and True very cool Lies. Player. I
1: mean, True Lies, he blew up yeah. because of True Lies, if you remember that. Great that movie. Happened. God, I love that movie. It was such a
2: good um, movie. Before we get to Tom Arnold, we do a thing on this podcast where if you write a review and give us five stars, hopefully it's a good review, we read it on the podcast. We'll say your name on air. Uh, but that's the best thing you can do to support this podcast. You leave a, a five star only, and then say some words on our uh, on iTunes. That really helps out the algorithm. Really helps support this podcast.
1: And and, and on that note, which well, you know, we obviously read the the review that we see on iTunes. If you guys want to give us an audio, some kind of question, or you want to call in and leave us a message. Our phone line is up, it's 833-HWR-LINE, so 833-HWR-LINE, you can call, leave us a message, ask us questions, leave us a question for a celeb, you can also DM us a video of yourself asking a question for a celeb, so we can throw that in for um, fan question roulette, but uh, let's get to this review right here. This review is from Nosum1990, it says, my favorite podcast um makes me want to visit la from scotland holy shit we got scotland fans yes, dude
2: yes that's, that's pretty dope uh, i'm glad my scotland fans have reached out and started listening to the podcast so it's uh, <laughs> uh thank you but yeah uh, i don't know what you're saying scotland but thank you for listening again best you Well, do you
1: your 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 mic, all, uh, mic is all glitching out sorry that about again. It. no
2: it's it's probably my scottish my it's probably my scottish accent but the best thing to do to support this podcast is to, again, leave a review. I'm glad my Scotland fans are now tuning in because, uh, you know, I do have a big fan base there in Scotland, Dax. So uh, I appreciate them listening. All
1: right, let's get to Tom Arnold. Yes.
2: Tell us about our guest today, Dax. All
1: right. So our guest today is an actor, a comedian who has been in huge projects like True Lies, Nine Months, Roseanne, Happy Endings, The Best Damn Sports Show, period. And so much more. We have the one and the only Tom Arnold.
2: Uh so, Tom, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, you know, we've been wanting to get you for a while. We just think you're an interesting guy, and we actually really respect your honesty. You know, you're the guy who, like, we, I think a lot of people live through you because, like, you you say stories like you're excited about them. You know, you don't try to act like you're too cool. You drop names, and I like that. I appreciate that because I kind of want to live vicariously through you. When people say Tom Arnold, where do you think most people know you from?
0: Um, Probably... Uh- well, you know, I'm I'm outspoken about my feelings about, well, you know, The the Last President. Um, um, I think I've been in a lot of movies. So people have been in 130 movies. So a lot of people know me. It's, I always assume I know why people know me, and I'm always wrong. It's always something else. Um, you know, I think it, back uh, 25 years ago, it just used to be, the other 30 years ago, the husband of Roseanne, obviously, but it, that's been a long time. Many other wives in between. I think that people know that I'm a comedian, actor, whatever.
1: Do you, do you still get people to walk up to you and are like, God, I know you, but I don't know
0: where from? I, I, I don't. I haven't lately, I haven't for a couple of three years. People know, people know who I am. I I don't know why. I don't know. It may be good. It may be bad. I don't know, but there (laughs) are people quite friendly. I don't think there's ever been somebody that uh, we were on the phone with at at Verizon that didn't recognize my voice or uh, you know they're so nice. The people at that, that the phone companies have to do all your work for you.
1: I mean, the fact that you've done 130 movies, you know, people recognize your voice, they recognize your face. Do you still even have to audition for a role at this point in
0: your life? Well, I'd like to be auditioning for more roles. I think that you don't. A lot of times they put films together with the, the team. You know, they they did that too when I was uh, uh, starting. Uh, but yeah, once in a while I'll do, uh, you know, I did a, my kids love uh, SpongeBob. And so uh, even though I know people that work on it, they had a kind of a, a general casting thing and I and I laid a voice down. I put my voice down, I, I, have, I probably won't get it, but just to do, just cause my kids love that show, they're eight and five and they watch every episode. So I watch every episode, cause if they do it, I do it. So, you know, things like that. Um, I think most things. Uh, uh, you know, this. I'm doing a little film and, uh, next month, and uh, the director wrote me a letter, a really nice personal letter, and I, I like the script, and so it's an independent film, and uh, and most mostly things go like like that.
2: When you were coming up as an actor, who was like the people you would see, kind of in this in the waiting room with you auditioning for roles? Like, was there some was there some guy you're you know some famous actor you're always competing for for the role with they always were always casted together always well casted I, together.
0: I there wasn't uh you know i got very lucky because a lot of people wanted to do my role in true lies and uh john Giel good at, at uh, audition a lot of really good people um and so i went from being a stand-up comic in the midwest to having a job as a writer on roseanne you know um to them deciding they asked me to be on that show because I wasn't even thinking that way because Roseanne and I were dating and so many people would watch. And then I had a character on Roseanne. Then I started doing movie parts that were just offered to me. You know, I think the first scene, if you don't count Freddie's dead or whatever that uh, uh, there's a scene with me and the scenes with Dustin Hoffman and I in the movie hero, which is about three years before true lies. And, and so the idea was since I was a writer and, a, and on television, I would just do these special, uh, parts that came up and, you know, uh, Sir Herbert Ross, uh, was directing, uh, I don't, I can't remember the name of it, but it was Dennis Quaid and, and Kathleen Turner and myself and, uh, and, uh, um, uh, my, my partner was great, great actress. And, and, uh, it was, I don't know, it was about us having babies and they were spies or something. And, uh, but it was a classy kind of a thing. And then, um, and then true lies happened, which I didn't think I was going to get because, uh, yeah, I almost didn't go to the audition because, but I thought, well, I'm going to, I'd like to meet Jim Cameron. So I guess I'll just do this. And, uh, so I went over there and, and, uh, cause I was a huge fan, you know, of Jim Cameron and we talked a little bit. And he was very nice. And, and they says, okay, why don't you do the scene? And I, and I was like, I gotta be honest, I didn't even read it. And he said, why? I said, because I know I'm not getting the movie. And it just seems like it'll feel better if I didn't even try. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, well, shoot, it's a, here's the, just read it off the paper, read off the pages. And so I just read it to him once. And then he was like, huh, hey, hey get Arnold down here. And Ar- I did know Arnold was upstairs there. So he came down and then the two of us uh, uh, read it once and, and Jim filmed us just once. And we kind of, it was the first time we'd ever worked together or, you know, done anything like this or kind of pushed each other out of the way to, for the shot. And and, uh, and Jim Cameron's like, that's perfect. You, you got it. You got the role, but don't tell anyone for two weeks. And, and of course, I walk out of there like, Oh, my gosh, this is the best news of my life here. I can't tell anybody. And so what I did was I called everybody and told them, <laughs> nobody believed me. And uh, they were like, are you back on drugs? I go, no. I've that." And, uh, and what happened was Jim had to go to uh, Fox Studios where he made his movies, you know, and give them the great news because they'd been looking for that third person. They had Jamie Lee Curtis, they had Arnold, and they were looking for that third person. And uh, and he said, great news. We found the third guy and we can start filming True Lies. And and they're like, that is great news. Who is it? And and he's like, it's Tom Arnold. They're like, that is horrible news. <laughs> 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 and he's like, why? And they said, no, well, what has he done And yeah. in the tabloids? And you see that, you know, and, at a time, it was the most expensive movie ever made. And uh, and he goes, yeah, I don't read the tabloids. And he He's the guy I know. I wrote the script. I'm the director. And they're like, well, we're, unfortunately, Jim, we cannot approve Tom Arnold for True Lies. And he's really? like, yeah, that is unfortunate, he said, because I'm going to walk across the street and make it a Paramount now. And oh. then they're like, well, okay, we'll give him a chance. So those guys, the Fox executives were coming to the set a lot in the beginning, and and I was like hugging them and thanking them, and, and uh, they hated me. They were waiting for me to do something so they could get rid of me but but i i owe a lot to jim cameron for for that and you know he'll say he, he owes me a lot because i was the guy and i gave him what he wanted and more and so i felt very lucky and then i thought you know the, the movie was going to take three months it took seven months we went all over the you know uh, arnold and i got very tight and we went filled all over the country and, and and then it was a big hit. And what happened was the divorce from Roseanne was 1994. And uh, True Lives hadn't come out yet. And, and when we when we got a divorce, everybody said, oh, he'll never work again. He is just riding her coattails. He'll be back in Iowa in two weeks. And, and I thought, uh, well, that's probably true. But I have six great years of working on one of the best television shows ever, The Roseanne Show, and I got to write and produce and act and I have great stories for my grandkids back in Iowa, and then uh, and Jim Cameron. I told him that, and he's like, "You know, f those people, you know." Uh, when True Lies comes out in July, and this was April, uh, when True Lies comes out in July, it'll change everything. And I, I wanted, you know, you want to believe somebody, but I'm not the kind of person that that I, nothing is guaranteed. And and uh, they tested, so I, I went to a screening, uh, um, sat in the back, and. It, it, they opened up. The people aren't even—they aren't even sure what they're watching. There's people they sign up to watch movies, and um, they—it starts up a James Cameron production. And everybody's like, "Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, Tom Arnold. Boo!" <laughs> and then, uh, but by the end of that two-hour and fifteen-minute movie, when they filled out the cards at the end of which character they liked best, it was mine. And so, what it, what it told me is you could change by doing good work, by getting an opportunity for sure, mm-hmm. you know, you can change public perception because a lot of people that didn't like me had never met me. Most people, of course, but then they were like, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe he is a good guy. I mean, he was great in that movie, which is kind of this crappy too. That If you're great in a movie, uh, you know, Kevin Spacey was great in a lot of movies, but true. you know, but, uh, but I, things took off there and, uh, you know if you go through a divorce there you need you get something like a gift like that where you know now your ex-wife is calling you and saying man i, I want to be part of this thing that you're you're celebrating it uh you know uh but it was a good it was good it was good
1: i loved true lies i uh, honestly my favorite scene in that whole movie is when jamie lee is like acting sexy, dancing in the room, and then falls off, like, falls down. I laughed so hard. What was it like on set? I mean, you kind of briefly mentioned it. You guys, you know, you, you and Arnold got really close. But what was it like on that set with those two huge, huge stars?
0: Well, it was, you know, Arnold's, uh, my trailer was next to Arnold's. Well, first of all, the first thing we had to film was our, uh, the, they had to shoot us in, in like, Speedos, so they can make uh, shoot uh, walking so they can create our skeletons for when we walk into the the place and it's right. Cause they wanted, they thought people could tell by the way we walked who we were. So I, I went to, I got to the set. Arnold has <laughs> had like a, a G string on he's <laughs> a cigar with his buddies. And I'm like, Holy hell. And I had boxers. And I thought they said underwear. I thought, and, and the boxers were showing up on the, on the, on the camera you couldn't they weren't able to so then i said i can see this is gonna be a long process and instead of waiting on uh, uh to share arnold's gold g-string i just said let's just do it naked <laughs> just do it once <laughs> i was so embarrassed you know there's no way you can compete with arnold schwarzenegger his body his confidence you know he had his buddies with him uh, except to go the other way, I think. Just, <laughs> no, obviously, I don't care. Let's just, for time, do this. So, But I did get to, you know, Jim Cameron was funny. We were getting ready to start shooting. He said, would you like Arnold to come over to your house uh, and trade with you? And and I was like, yeah, I believe I would like the greatest bodybuilder that ever lived to come to my house and work out with me in my unused home gym. <laughs> He came over the first morning about, you know, he's an early freaking riser, man. He gets up at 4.30 every day. He comes over there about 5. We live by each other. And he comes to the door, and I'm, I open it. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot you were coming. I totally forgot you were coming. Oh, well, everyone I've ever met is here. By the way, my friends are waiting. <laughs> and, hey, It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so we, we did trade. And uh, and then the, that that night, uh, Cameron called me and said, "What time tomorrow for Arnold?" I'm like, "Oh no, there will be no tomorrow." And he's like, <laughs> "Why?" I go, "Well, because now I can say that I worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger, today, which is cool." But it's so much pressure because he does—he really is sincere, you know. He he's, he's really changed the world as far as not just bodybuilding but fitness. I mean, this bad, and he really cares. So he does the thing that to help you. Where first he has to compliment one of your body parts, and then he d- digs in on your trouble spot. Wait, what did what did he compliment? Well, he's like, on you, you know, Tom, you have a fantastic uh, left shin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Then, I have a lot of goddamn trouble spots too. So they just- <laughs> I'm like, yeah, hell no, this is not gonna. We're gonna just do. I'm gonna do my thing, and then so every night I went to. Um, you know, our trailers are together. And we we'd rap work, and uh, he had a semi trailer truck retrofitted into a gym that was next to his trailer, where he could work out hey, if You pump iron anytime, get it. And uh, I would, I had a thing because I would always go to uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and uh, he's like every night. He's like, you want to work out? I go, no. You want Ben and Jerry's ice cream? No. And then <laughs> we go our separate ways. And and how I knew that we really were great friends. Uh, uh, sincerely, great friends. Was the movie had gone over time, over budget? Jim had put all his own back money and in, money into it. People were thinking, "Oh no, it's trouble!" Like they always do with Jim Cameron. And they're always wrong. Um, and I think Arnold was getting a little depressed. <laughs> and uh, and uh, at the end of the night, he's like, i like, hey, uh, uh, all right, buddy, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm gonna go get some uh, ice cream." And he's like, "No, stop. Give me two pints of rum raisin." And from that point on, he stopped working out for a while, and he just started eating ice cream with me. And he gained late. and that's a true friendship because if you could, he's the most positive human being I've ever met in my life. He's 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 uh, he. Every goal he's ever had, he's gotten it. Every you know, but uh, so but but there wasn't any way in hell that he was going to be pulling me up to his Arnold Schwarzeneggerness. But the fact that I can pull him down to my fat, disgusting <laughs> self-hate thing, that's a real friendship. If you can pull a guy down when you're down, uh, you know, that's friendship. You know? And, uh,
2: Tom, doesn't he throw like the most insane parties?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't think he'd think they're normal. But, you know, he he's really kind. And, and there was a circus in, the, in Europe that ran out of money. And uh, and he said, well, I will i will um, um, finance it if the animals can come to my parties and uh and he always so that there's always a weird menagerie of animals but the first time uh, uh that he just done this thing with his circus and they had a bengal tiger and it you know it was it was you know in his house he's got a there's a little pool area outside and a little area we can sit around and i walk in there and and uh, he's holding a bagel tiger on a rope, like a rope, not a chain. A rope, smoking cigars. All his buddies are smoking cigars. I'm like, holy hell, because I grew up on a farm. You know, a cow will kill you. Yeah, you know I mean, for real. Like animals, all you know. At some point, they become animals. You know, people. Uh, you you could if a cow, if you're uh, you know. If you're bugging a cow, they will press you up against the fence. And, you know, they weigh thousands of pounds. There's nothing you can do. So you got to always understand that animals are animals and have a healthy respect for them. You know, we had horses too. You don't walk behind them. You don't, you just, because if they're done with you, if, if you're riding a horse and they're done with you, you're going on the ground. I'm just going to, I don't care if it's the horseman, your best friend, just something triggers. So I see this giant Bengal tiger. On this rope, and there's his buddies are smoking cigars by it, and uh, and I'm like, I pulled out my phone because he goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "I'm going to start videotaping right now. Because <laughs> when this thing freaks out and starts killing your friends, I'm going <laughs> to be able to post it." And uh, but you know these guys, they're just very, you know, it might be a Tarzan because they they, uh, you know, he, he's also got friends that were uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of uh, Germany. The Arnold Schwarzenegger of Russia, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of whatever, these other huge dudes that come and hang out with him. Who who else does that? The Arnold Schwarzenegger of South Africa, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of whatever. And they come and they'll they'll hang out by the pool in their Gold LeBay G-strings, grease each other up. (laughs) That's what it looks like to me. I brought my son over there. You know, when my son Jax was born eight years ago, Arnold was the first person at the hospital, you know. And and then uh, when he was about Three months so I took him over there. <laughs> it was in a, it just happened to be with all the guys are out by the pool oiled up and uh and it was just a hilarious thing. Hilarious thing to me because he also, it's not like I mean, he is he works out every day. You know, he's like 117 years old, man, and he gets out there <laughs> and kills it. And he loves to help people to, you know, he it's for real. His thing is, you know, there's no bullshit. He does. And I can tell you this because we've done, we've had done uh, a couple different charities for over 20 years, 25 years in a row where we co-host them. And uh, at one, we give 10,000 gifts out every year. Uh, the Bear Club First Street, it's called down at the Hallbeck, uh Police uh, 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 Station Center area. Kids line up. You know, you can't believe it. You know, this is a lot of these kids, it's their only gifts they're getting from Santa. Love it. And, and that's, but it's exhausting. You know, but I do it every, you know, and then at the end, it's so fun. It's so cool heading out. And, and at the end, I'm, I'm always like, now I need to go take my pants off and lay down somewhere. But he's always like, oh, you know, I've got to fly up to meet some firefighters in Northern California and whatever. I'm like, and I, I said to him, well, you know, you aren't running for office anymore. You don't have to do this. But I realized that's how he lived his life always, as if he's running for office. You know, he's always willing to to uh help people to figure something out to get involved and uh i think that uh, you know that's that's uh you know a unique thing you know maria uh, her family was like that too obviously mm-hmm. and uh, and i'm sure that's part of the the attraction uh you know besides maria's pretty but but uh was her family you know maria had the best parents you know and i knew her parents because i did uh I traveled with them a little bit to do the, the, uh, special Olympic stuff. And, and these parents, I mean, Maria Shriver's parents, you know, are tens and, uh, and they were the real, the real deal. Her dad started the peace Corps and her mom, the special Olympics. And let me tell you something about her mom, um, um, Eunice, like she was a badass. This is no, I mean, she, um, um, you know, she's the kind of woman, she weighed like, uh, 61 pounds, and her purse weighed about 4,000 pounds. But she was she also was tough love, and, and she cared. And the the uh, I think it was Catherine told me that they were swimming at their house in Georgetown with uh, teaching special Olympic athletes to to swim. But the girls were young. And, and then the grandma came out there and said, you aren't doing it right, and stripped off her clothes and jumped into the pool. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, she's a real deal. And, uh, and and uh, you know, uh, Sergeant Driver was just a saint. So Arnold probably thought, you know, I mean, I, he's always been a guy that wants to help and give back. And, you know, I'm sure if he, he admitted it, he learned a few things from that family and just how loving they were to each other you know where where arnold grew up where he grew up his father was not nice he was a you know a member of the the nazi party i believe and his mother was very cold and i I met her i knew her but you know he is so full of love and, and warm and uh i'm sure that being around all those crazy uh kennedys uh he was probably like oh my god this is my this is a dream i'm gonna you know and I'll tell you he you know to to become to be that successful too on his own um but but yeah that's that's who he is every day
1: i I feel like listening to your story is that you've had one of the most insane, cool, incredible lives. what was it take me back to Woodstock of ninety four because I feel like that's one of those things that like people look back in their life and like, that was amazing. Was that as cool as it seems like for the rest of us to be there?
0: Well, you know, because I wasn't the generation, I was too young for the the original Woodstock. uh, It was amazing. And uh, Chris Farley and I took a helicopter over there to be two of the co-hosts. And uh, it was, you know, it was 94, True Lies had come out. um, I think it was August. And I loved all the, the music, you know, I i met uh, uh, Trent Reznor and I just, it was great. And so Chris, all of a sudden, you know, because he would, he would have little spells I used to call him. He was like, are we not getting paid to do this? I go, no, we're not getting paid. We get, we just get to be here. And he goes, I got to call my manager to see if I get paid. Well, we're supposed to introduce people. So I went out by myself at first and did a couple and he was having his moment trying to get paid after we were already there and all of a sudden he's like oh i get it we're just doing it. super fun so i said i will introduce you you go out here and and uh and uh and people it was a uh, that it was a bit of a mess on the on the grounds where they all the, the million people were and i said they and i had, he's he, i knew he's gonna run out and do something i said ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, Arnold Schwarzenegger and people went apeshit. And then he comes running out there and he as he got to the stage, he realized what I'd said. <laughs> and then people are like, What? You know, come on. And someone took a piece of tarp about this big and threw it like 50 feet up and it put it in the face. They ripped the <laughs> up out of the and uh but you know, he was you know <laughs> tremendously loved love.
1: I was gonna say I'm like there was there was no bigger star than Chris Farley I mean other than Arnold Schwarzenegger probably at the time but Chris Farley was so so beloved at that time right
0: yeah he was he was not as beloved as Arnold Schwarzenegger but he but he was and uh you know I met Chris when uh uh, he did an impression of me on SNL and uh um Victoria Jackson was Roseanne very funny impression and we're going out to host the show and and Laura, Laura Michael said, Hey, I want, you should spend time with Chris Farley. You have a lot in common. Uh, um, you know, we're from the Midwest. We're both alcoholics, uh, uh, addicts. And uh, so Chris and I hit it off fast and furious. You know, he went to uh, East Wisconsin, up from Iowa. And uh, you know, I love the guy and uh, he was genuinely the funniest guy ever. And, uh, and, and so but, you know, he had a little, he had some issues, which, uh, you know, I'd had. And, and so I had three years, I was three years ahead of him, you know, on on being sober. And, and uh, but, you know, he did, he did as well as, uh, you know, he, I remember his, would have been his third sober birthday. And I got a call from uh, Lauren Michaels. And he said, well, and I also noticed I called Chris, happy birthday, whatever. He would have always called me. And he said, well, you know, he's in his, he's in his uh, dressing room uh, crying very loud so that everybody hears him, and he relapsed. And, uh, and you know, Laura Michaels, i got to give him a lot of credit because, uh, you know, it, it, he'd gone through the, the stuff with John Belushi, um, and, and people are always saying, why would you keep someone on the show uh, if they're using or if they're whatever, when you've been through that? And Laura was tough, though. Lauren, you know, um, I remember we had a really great talk because Lauren's like, I didn't come from money. I didn't come from, this is how I grew up. I grew up like you grew up, Tom. Chris's family has money. (laughs) Like that made him, you know, he needs to get it together. And Lauren did everything in his power to keep him alive, including uh, suspending him from the show as it got worse. But the last time I saw Chris, I was doing uh, one of my sitcoms, either the Tom Show or Tom or whatever, and he came down to visit, uh, and, uh, and uh, his brother Kevin was on the show, and he was going to his 17th uh, rehab, and, and Chris, you know, uh, we don't always make it to our 17th rehab, to, to, today can be the day, and so, but Chris, uh, it was going to be a very tough rehab, and it was going to be very, and, and then uh, Chris went back home to Chicago and died. You know, the other brother Johnny was with him that night and then Chris was so mean or whatever. He left him there in his room with a uh, sex worker who, uh, um, you know, uh, the last thing that Johnny saw was Chris kind of jumping up, clicking his heels and saying, "Woo, it's going to be a great night. And they fell back down. And um, and then, uh, you know, Johnny had to leave because, you know. That's what you're supposed to do. And, uh, according to the sex worker too, uh, that was the last thing that he did. And he, once he went down, fell down backwards, he stayed forever. So, but his family, you know, the great things that, you know, Chris or several members of Chris's family that got sober because of him, including his mother. Uh, it really, you know, uh, it, it was terribly sad, obviously. Um, but, um, you know there a lot of good has come out of it. I know that Tom Farley has a foundation, and and uh, you know I try to help out what I can. And uh, but you know it's something you when you say bad I could have seen that. I did always say to him, you can't be on drugs and fat. You got to pick one. <laughs> <That doesn't, laughs> that doesn't work. Sure. It's not going to work. You know, um, but you know he was a very sweet boy. You know he come out and stay with. Uh, you know he's very afraid of Roseanne. <laughs> that's he <laughs> towards the end there. He goes, "Man, we gotta get, I'm gonna get you out of here." I was like, "No, I'm- Was he
1: wait Was he afraid of Roseanne because like he had kind of made fun of you guys on, on SNL
0: or what? Oh, he saw you know I think he, he came out uh, he came out and stayed. You know, I had about my all my shows and I had him on Roseanne, but he stayed there. And saw some of the end of the relationship.
1: <laughs> uh, 30, they saw you guys years. unhappy with each other so, in the home life. Yeah. And,
0: and, you know, uh, 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 to her credit, you know, she had 27 uh, personalities. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's a fact. That's a, she wrote that in her book, <laughs> and only two of them liked me. And that's a fact, too. That <laughs> was tough. That's not even. And, and it, Jen F. Town wrote, and one of those was a small German boy, but uh, the two that liked me. But, you know, it was tough times. And, uh, uh it, it was, you know, that, that marriage was also great for a long time. is And, uh, that friendship was better. You know, we were friends for since I was 23. And, uh, and I think you, people would always say, well, you think you'll be friends at first? I did think we'd be friends after we got divorced. And then in, in the first episode of Saturday night live in 1994, uh, I had, I had people over, I'm like, Hey, let's see what my old friend's going to do. Roseanne's hosting it. And, uh, one of her first jokes was about Tom Arnold's three-inch penis, and I was like, Oh, God damn it! that's that's confidential information right there. <laughs> so I, did, I did get to do the best joke I've ever done, according which to people, a which was uh, even a 747 looks small when it lands in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> uh, kit, top door, top door, toolkit, top door in <laughs> the, the toolkit. Everybody's so wait, where are you guys? What's your
1: relationships as do you guys? ever run into each other would you be cordial are you anything? Rally?
0: <laughs> so, uh, she had a roast a few years ago i remember you did that and i did that you know it'd been 18 years since we've been in a room together up till then and then uh um i don't think again since then you know we're very different people it, yeah. it seemed like we were a lot we had a lot of common back in those days and uh You know, we're very different people. I wish her the best, you know, and uh, but I could tell when the Roseanne reboot was coming back. I'd already started my uh, I was starting my hunt for the Trump tapes uh, show on Vice. And uh, I didn't realize she was such a big Trump uh, supporter. And so I thought, well, that's that's just that's fine. You know, Uh, uh, but but then I, I took a little bit harder look at her social media and what she'd been doing and you know, with uh, the QAnon people and the overtly racist uh, Nazi people, you know. And I wondered why ABC, uh, uh, I'm sure they had to be aware of that before the show started. Um, I actually wrote a review of the the pilot for I think the Hollywood Reporter. They wanted me to, and I thought, you know, can I be objective? I don't know. Uh, But I thought it was very good. And, uh, you know, I used to write that show and I said, uh, you know, I felt some of the, the feeling, and a lot of people don't realize this, but the Roseanne show um, from 88 to 94, I was on the show. Then I went, and and uh, there's something she would always want to do when I was kind of running things. She wanted to win the lottery. And I'd always say, this family does not win the lottery. They may play the lottery, but they don't. That will destroy the show. And it, as soon as I left, they won the lottery. Lord, Roseanne was like, I'm going to teach him a lesson. And uh, and so they, I, I believe uh, uh, they were on for another year, and then John Goodman quit. Yeah. So he died. He died on the show. And so uh, when, it, when, even when it was coming back, his shows have a run. I mean, that show had at least six great years. And that's rare. And, you know, the Honeymooners wasn't on forever. Uh, you know, very rare that a show stays solid uh, over five or six years. So people don't remember that the show is basically canceled in the nineties. And so it's coming back, but I think it's such a great idea to come back. And I know Sarah Gilbert's working on it. And, and, um, um, but I, 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 her social media, her, you know, she was just so, and I also do Trump's going to take advantage of this man. He's going to, he's going to, this is going to go down in flames. This just yeah, gonna...
1: well, What did you think of the whole them getting rid of her and changing the show to the Connors? Like, obviously you have a different perspective you know these people so well what, what did you think when all that went down
0: well i thought it was pretty brave of uh bob Iger. you know bob Iger was a guy that we met back in the 80s bob Iger is the guy before he was the most powerful man in the world he had to come over and help me get her out of bed like talk her out of bed like to, we had a couple of weeks, i think she had a facelift where he was at the bottom of the bed I mean, he had a you know you know, Bob Iger is the best. And, uh, you know, we had to get her into work. And But just very honorable guy. Now, I, I can tell you this because at the time of her getting fired, I was communicating with my former stepdaughter for like a month trying to help her with her mom, get her, get her mom reeled in. You know, I'd set them uh, because she was tweeting and stuff. And I, I said, well, if I were the man in her life, I would just fucking smash her phone. There's no way the Wi Fi be turned off. Because yeah. that show at the time was worth hundreds of millions of dollars to them, too. Um, you know, and, and there was one night where Jenny, Jenny Pentland, was like, Oh my God, this is going on. She's going to do this at. And I said, Where does she live now? Where did she live in El Segundo somewhere? I go, I'm going to go to her house and just take her stuff because that's what you got to do sometimes. She also likes it when you do that. You know, she would always want to quit the show. And I'd like, you can't quit the show. You'll feel terrible if you quit the show, whatever. But she likes that. It's like a kid that likes to fight to have to go to school to do this. And and, uh, but the weekend that she got fired, that she did the racist Valerie Jarrett tweet uh, coming up. The show was on hiatus. The writers were coming back the following Tuesday. Roseanne had told the people on the show that it was not going to be as political. Uh, because, you know, by now people are like, God, Trump's a monster. And then, but she told the Trump people, it's going to be more political. We're really all in on Trump. So she had that, and, and just from what I remember about her, that being in the middle of something, and, you know, it's kind of, it's a lie too, because she told one people what they, other the other. And so I think she was in a mood to sabotage the show. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that and the thing is that everybody talks about that one joke, but there was a hundred. If you really look at her, I mean, she had, she wrote every member of Congress to tell him John McCain was a, uh, a, a, a traitor and a spy when he was in, uh, in a three and a half foot box in uh, Vietnam for five years. Like she's like, she wrote that the Boston, uh, marathon, uh, bombing was a false flag that did not happen like that that happened all before so you know
1: uh, it was bound to happen at some point her getting i mean especially in a, a a culture we you know people love to cancel successful people so obviously it was going to happen especially when you are someone that kind of deserves to be canceled
0: yes yeah absolutely and you know i think that um you had to cancel it because there's a lot of kids in this country that get tea a lot of black kids. And mo and black people general, the, the worst thing, the oldest trope is oh, you're a monkey, you're this, that. And I just kept thinking about those little kids. And I thought about her, this woman who's made hundreds of millions of dollars, so powerful, given every opportunity of the her life. And she when I met her, she was obviously liberal. She was and this big this rich white woman is is bullying children is bullying this woman is valerie jerry but it really bullies children because this she's like a mom the kids looked up to you know uh it's like when superman dean cade when you realize how big of an asshole he was (laughs) it's very disappointing but um yeah i think it was um you know it had to be done and i i've never watched the show but um I do remember seeing how John Goodman be super skinny.
1: So, wait, you never even tuned in to watch the revamp of Roseanne? It's actually
0: pretty good, yeah. I think yeah. I did. I, well, I had to watch the pilot to review it, and I kind of had a little view of upcoming stuff, and I liked it. And I remember uh, uh, Whitney Cummings was working on it, and uh, um, there's some uh, comedy comedians working on it. And... I,
1: I guess I'm just surprised with that because your investment with the old show for so long, I, I felt like you would have kind of followed along a little bit more.
0: Well, I meant no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when, you're, when you're a parent and you got two babies, when you're a single parent and you're, you got your hands full. I didn't watch reruns of Rosanna until my assistant, uh, Sasha, who's 30 moved in with us during the pandemic The kids and I, you know, to help with the kids help it. And, you know, she was living in a Korean town, uh, a one room place with this, this other comic or this other actor. And so I said, Hey, just stay here. And, uh, and then, but she, Sancho was born after the Roseanne show started, mm-hmm. but she loved it. She said, Oh, and so after the kids went to bed a few nights, we'd sit there and watch an episode. And it was really good for me because, you know, you watch that. And when I'm watching, like the first time I was ever on the show in 1989, where I kissed Roseanne, but I remember everything about it. I could smell the cigars we were smoking, when we were playing poker. Um, uh, You know, and I, I I said, is it fun
1: or is it like PTSD? Which no, it
0: it was very fun. (laughs) There was so much fun, just you know, just inappropriate fun behavior. Uh, And I, I, and there's also such high quality work on that show. But there's a lot of, the Rosetta her best because she just is. The thing I could do uh, from day one with her was make her laugh, and, and she—I knew she was funny. I mean, she was brilliant, but but the fact is, she thought I was so damn funny. Um, I mean, that's what all well, men know—they're good looking, but 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 when when a woman says you're so funny, that's it—they got us. Ultimate and,
1: compliment, right? Yeah, there. and we
0: also were silly, and we also did some crazy stuff, and we also were very bad sometimes. And, um, um, but, but I think that it, uh, you know, um, I think that what, after our divorce, which was kind of a stop start thing and just some, um, I, I knew it, it was, I had to get, you know, I was so grateful that she was with the bodyguard because she said kind of woman that needs to be with somebody mm-hmm. to move out of, and man, we, I, we had to be done. And I know me because, you know, I won't quit until <laughs> I'll always go back. go, okay, let's try this thing just because, uh, you know, but knowing when to quit, you know, is, uh, is important. And, and, you know, unfortunately with her, it's gotta be like burn the bridges down. Burn a, you, know, you can't just say, Hey, listen, we love each other. We're, we're friends, but this isn't working. You can't, you can't, she has to have some kind of, Somebody's gotta be the bad guy, you know. Somebody's gotta be a, a horrible guy, not just the bad guy, a horrible guy. And uh, you know, but but to but I was very relieved to be out of that relationship. Uh, yeah. you know, and to move on. And then make stupid things like to marry a twenty one year old college student right after this blonde uh had a David Spade's birthday party the week after True Lives came out, you know, she'd never been away from home in Michigan. I was like, Oh, that's gonna be
1: Perfect. It's gonna be a good combination. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I that because I had my kids, you know, which was really, uh, you know, I, when I grew up, I had dreams of being in show business. I had dreams of, you know, worked. I worked on the kill floor meat packing plant for three years to save money for college, and would daydream about being best friends with Robin Williams and, and Arnold, and, and then to go on in my life and, you know, be. I sitting there with Robin Williams at his house. We were making uh, nine bucks. Up at a house outside San Francisco, and I was like, I've been here before, Robin. He goes, What do you mean? Like, I dreamed I it was boning hams or something, and I was daydreaming that we're, we'd we be best friends just like we are now. And he's like, We're not best friends. I go, Okay, <laughs> I'm friends, I'm friend, you know. Love and um, so all those things came to but I think, it, you know, I always said I wanted kids, and I, I certainly tried with Roseanne, with the uh, Julie, uh, uh, Shelby. And, and But I'd give it up at, after my third divorce. I'd give it up. And uh, 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 Ashley, my, my fifth wife, I didn't want to do it in vitro because that was that was hurtful to the woman's body, and it was my little sperm count. So I wanted to adopt. I'd say, and I was serious about this, Shaq was my next-door neighbor the whole time he played for the Lakers. And if you wanted to borrow a cup of sugar where I grew up on a farm from your neighbor, you would knock on the door and say, can I have a cup of sugar? And Shaq made beautiful children. And so I I I wanted I tried to get the courage to go take one of those things you get from the fertility <laughs> and go, hey, can I borrow a cup of Shaq? Because if, if I had a seven foot tall black son, I'd be the happiest man on the planet. <laughs> you, know, but, but, you know, it stuck to it and I got blessed. Like miracles happened for these kids. And, and and I always said I wanted to be a father, and it turned out I really meant it. I wanted to be a parent. I wanted, this is my life. Every day, I'm blessed. You know, when things don't go well, you know, there's, you know, money, work, whatever, those are important, but they're way down the list, you know, uh, from from what is important are these kids. They're here. They're healthy. Uh, knock on wood, you know, and so you you, you really – it worked out when I was at the meatpacking plant, eighteen years old. My seventeen-year-old girlfriend said, "I'm pregnant." I'm like, "Okay, all right. I'm working here forever, just like everybody else." And uh, and it turned out she was lying. Thank God. And uh, but so I don't know what the father I would have been then, but but I know that now is uh, is the best thing. I know my son. I was fifty-four. My son was born and people. My dad, when he was fifty four, he was freaking old. I'm just gonna tell you. But that's that generation. You know, I you just can never get you can never get old. And uh, you know, I love every moment of it.
2: Hey Tom, we do a speed round on this podcast. I want to ask you a bunch of quick questions. Uh, we're gonna go back and forth, me and Dax, and you know, the first thing that comes to your mind, just answer it. Here we go. Uh Who's the nicest guy in Hollywood?
0: Well, There are a lot of nice people in Hollywood. There really are. There are a lot of nice men and women in Hollywood. You know, I'm very close to Sharon Stone. Uh, uh, She's having a pool party tomorrow. I'm deciding what shirt I'm gonna wear in the pool. Uh, She genuinely, I mean, she's a character, but super, super kind, super sweet, Uh, brilliant. Uh, I mean, I I can't, nobody's been nicer to me than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, you know, because he, you know, he's so, you know, it's not that we haven't argued. Let me just say that. It's not that we haven't vehemently disagreed with each other. A lot of that we haven't been, you know, maybe bad at each other. I don't know if I've been bad at him, but it's certainly, but, um, you know, I just see what he's done for the world and how he treats people. And, uh, uh, you know, he's amazing, but there are so many, it kind of takes your breath away when someone that you've admired maybe growing up or is kind to you. Like, you, you know, because uh, uh, some people say, oh, Hollywood, they're all a-holes. They're all... Or you hold them in such reverence that the fact that you're with them. And I always felt like that on my sports show, the Best Dad Sports Show, period, because I, I'm a fan of sports. And I'd be sitting there and my heroes but from childhood would come on the the show. Willie Mays, uh, Ernie Banks, I'd be sitting in between them. I'd, uh, I'd play football with Joe Montana. I do. But but there's this visceral thing because it's not just me. I'm feeling it's my dad, my grandpa, the people I went to games with just sitting there like, holy moly, I got a bat against the ride. I went down to Round Rock once and actually got a hit off of him. And then I, he took me out to dinner with his family to his barbecue place. So he put the wax paper down. Just the nicest and I kept thinking, this is an out-of-body experience. That Tom Arnold from Tom, Iowa, is sitting here with these people. I'm going to tell you this real quick. My dad's he, my dad was a single dad. <laughs> if you watch if you watch Queen of Met about my sister on uh, Discovery Plus, you'll see about our family what that was like. And the only time we ever heard him really laugh was when there was a Bob Hope special. I mean, he laughed hard. And I'd said to my brother and sister, whatever that Bob Hope does, I'm doing that with my life because dad lied, makes dad love. So one of the first things I did in Hollywood was a Bob Hope special Rosetta and I did. And I, 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 it was Robin Hood or something. I had tights on and we all had tights. And Bob Hope called my dad and he wrote a, 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 a letter to my dad. And uh, you know, I ended up uh, doing uh, uh, the USO stuff all because of uh, Bob Hope. And then my dad got to watch in the same living room on the same TV that he used to watch Bob Hope and laugh, he's he got to watch me standing next to Bob Hope in that television and and, and being funny, and that's the kind of miracle that that you know can happen in in this business where you go, oh, boy, I want to, I want to, I, I want this to happen, you know, I'm going to make this happen just to make my dad laugh, and literally it happened. So, you know, and Bob Hope was a very nice guy too. I got to. A lot of time at his, at his uh, Palm Springs thing at, at Space Capsule, and his wife was very kind too. Tell so,
1: you're, crack, you're cracking me up because this is the longest speed yeah. round we've ever done. <laughs> you got to give us just a quick answer. <laughs> All right, who is the most intimidating person you've met in Hollywood?
0: Most intimidating person. Uh, how to describe intimidation?
1: Just the you met them, and either you were so starstruck, or they had so much power influence over your career that you were like oh man, like this is a, this is a big meeting.
0: Uh, Well, you know, I auditioned for the John Goodman role on Roseanne and that was very intimidating. Roseanne originally wanted me to play her husband because we'd done a special together where I played her husband. But I also was like, yeah, John Goodman is so good. Uh, Yeah. But, you know, meeting uh, Laura Michaels hosting Saturday Night Live by myself, that was, you know. And I suppose I, meeting I, Bill Murray. Bill Murray was. Ooh, Bill Murray's
1: a good one. I can Adam see I can yeah. see Lauren Michaels being pretty intimidating. All right, Adam,
2: next. Uh, which celebrity has the coolest house that you've been to?
0: Uh you know, you know, I've I've had some cool houses in previous marriages. But no, I mean, uh a lot of them have very cool houses, you know, <laughs> style. I mean, Arnold lives up there, and he's got a lot of land. He's got a little stable for his uh, miniature uh, do- horses and uh, donkeys. And uh, Tom, Tom Brady's house is is right by – I think he bought it from, from Dr. Dre or – Anyway, that area is a really nice area in, in uh, 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 the Palisades.
1: Is that is that the one that he built, him and Giselle built that's like – monstrous yeah
0: is that is it did dre live there no i'm thinking of the one that they
1: actually like built built themselves from the ground up
0: yeah but hmm. i've been to uh uh this guy named les wexner who has started uh uh victoria's secret and he, he worked with jeffrey epstein a lot and he oh <laughs> it's not a name that you want to be connected with no, but but uh we uh, opened a plant Hollywood in Columbus, Ohio. And he's like the guy, he owns all these businesses. And I think MC uh, uh, was his bunny guy, you know. <laughs> but it just, it, he ended up getting in trouble because the name came up and, and cause he gave Epstein his apartment in New York. That apartment was given to him by this guy. So Arnold and I went up there for a, a glad opening of the, one of the Planet of which by the way, were the most fun things I've ever done. Those right. Planet and we went to Les's house, and you could have put Arnold's house in the living room. This was crazy, And <laughs> was Like looking and like God, I feel like a, I feel like the help. I feel like we are the help. I said we're we're doing, but uh, it was it was one of those super crazy, you know. And I've also seen people as their career goes up, and not there's not a lot of show business, not a lot of actors that have crazy houses but there's a lot of finance people. I lived in the in the States for uh, a while, and my next door neighbor had that, uh, um, what's that game, that poker game that made a movie of it, uh, oh, uh, where Toby Maguire and all those people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever's yeah. game. Whatever's game. That, had, that game happened right here in my, like Shaq lived right there, and then that game, uh, the Allegoras, who's uh, hugely successful. His brother owns uh, Paradigm, and his other brother owns the Pistons. Hugely, really nice people too. But, uh, but they had that uh, game and then that house became too small for him. (laughs) He built this giant house and and then you sell it to another, to a producer down the line, you know, Um, but there's, you know, obviously there's crazy amazing houses up here. That's amazing. Well,
1: I know we are running out of time with you, so I just want I know uh, I know you've got your own podcast off topic, and then you also just participated
0: with Sasha Boggs. With Sasha Boggs, I live with the kids that I is very uh, very funny. Yes, so go ahead.
1: No, so I I you know what do you talk about on off topic? What what could our listeners expect if they transition over and start listening to your podcast?
0: What Sasha moved did here. Uh, Cause it's there's no school, the kids are we're quarantined, We've been quarantined for a year. My friend, son I started, went back to first grade half a day two or three weeks ago. I kept my five year old daughter out of out of uh, uh, Zoom preschool. I was like, There's just no, we'll start kindergarten next year, but you know, we're quarantined here. And and I, Sasha has done podcasts before, and I said, Let's do a podcast in the house on the breaks for the kids are over here and just talk about life because she's so much younger. Like her idea of who, you know, who's inspired her is John Mayer. I mean, we had huge fights about how he was ch- he changing her life in high school. I'm, You know, because, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I had, you know, my list of people, you know, and she knows nothing about sports. In fact, we had a one, Michael Cohen, who was a, a Donald Trump's lawyer, called me and, and I had about a speakerphone and she came in and listened to the call and we had a huge argument and, uh, and she's like, you know, and then at the end of the phone call, he's like, "I love you. I got to see you, whatever." And she's like, you're friends. You have terrible friendships." <laughs> and no he doesn't didn't even know. She said she'd heard the name Michael Cohen, but she's not politically yep. involved, and you know, she's a younger comic. Her vo- points of view are the people she likes. So we talk about we talk about a lot of things. So the kids are involved sometimes when we can't get a babysitter. <laughs> so yeah
1: that's awesome and then you also just participated in helping with the gangster capitalism podcast right like what what exactly did you
0: gangster capitalism is a uh, excellent podcast this is their third year the first year they did the the uh, uh college cheating scandal which you know uh, people went to jail and then the nra last year i don't like it did an excellent job the nra went bankrupt but they really uh you know they were nominated for uh, a peabody they're jerry jerry uh Falwell jr who i knew a lot about uh, because it, everything goes back to Trump, but, but, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. supported Trump in 2016, just out of the blue, just suddenly Hey, and he actually said, Trump is the most Jesus like, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr. is a, is a white evangelical and that owns Liberty University that did own it. And so I had to figure out why he, that would happen. And then getting to know Michael Cohen, I do. I, I found out Michael Cohen had fixed, done his fixing thing with, on an affair that Jerry and his wife had. With a pool boy, and because uh, there was pictures, and then you could hear the video, hear the video. Michael Cohen and I talking, where Michael Cohen was like, "And I still got one," and so I flew to New York to see all everything he had. But you know, it was because they were these people are so hypocritical. They're anti-LGBTQ, they're anti-immigrant, and and, uh, and by the way, that Juan Carlos Granda is, uh, you know, he's, he's human. and so. Uh, I said I got to get to the bottom of this, and I got to know the, the pool boys or the the young man, and and spent a lot of time with them on the phone and got them to use them. I saw a lot of tape. Let me tell you something, because these people at the university needed to be proven, you know. And I also was protective of these guys, and there's a bunch because they you know the fawls are perpetrators, you know, they're predators, mm-hmm. they're predators. I are mean, and you know what they do, like John Granda. The the first the most well known pool boy, that Jerry filled the uh, him having sex with Becky and then threatened to blackmail Giancarlo by sending it to his girlfriend. That's crazy sauce. And <laughs> the, but uh, but you know I gave uh, I, I, I did an interview for the the series and and gave a bunch of tape of uh, you know Michael Cohen uh, the different a uh, couple of the pool guys. I gave this a bunch of documents, and uh, it's very good. It's very good, and uh, you know, and it's very good for these kids, because the real hero of this is John Carlo Granda because what it does is it connects the dots from these pictures, mm-hmm. back to Michael Cohen, to Michael Cohen going to Jerry Falwell Jr., hey, you owe me a solid, because I did you this favor, boink, and yeah. I still got this, and it's like, because he's going to support Ted Cruz, because Ted Cruz is like a Born again Christian or whatever, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, scratch that. I'm supporting Donald Trump," and it really won Trump the election because the other white evangelicals were like, "Well, if Jerry did it, now we should do it," yeah. you know, because we just want money anyway. So, anyway, it's very good. And, uh, all right, well, yeah, check it
1: out, guys, and remember that was the podcast that broke a lot of the like uh, Lori Laughlin and the college admission scandal stuff. So they are a huge podcast. Um, yeah, it's it's massive.
0: I'm glad that stand-up is starting. I, I'm going to do some autograph shows. I got to pay some bills, guys. I got to pay. Some bills. I got kids. You know, my kids may have to end up winning a Tom Arnold scholarship at Indy Hills Community College in Iowa if uh, if I can't get some more work. So, um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. I, I've always liked you guys on uh, on whatever what your other show, and I'm very happy to have this.
1: Well, thank you. appreciate it, buddy. And thank you for joining us. And you can check out Tom Arnold, obviously, on social media at Tom Arnold. You can check out his podcast, Off Topic. Go see the new documentary about his sister, uh, the Queen of Meth. That's on, what, you said Disney Plus?
0: It's on Discovery Plus. It's uh, Discovery Plus. Discovery. It's probably yeah. not Disney. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, definitely not Disney Plus. <laughs> Sorry about yeah. that. But it's very good. It's very, very good. I'm proud of my sister for coming out the other end of that. A lot about our childhood, a lot about this, so it's very interesting.
1: Well, thank you for your your uh, behind the scenes stories on, you know, true lies and all that. It's really fun to hear, and uh, we appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks, guys. That was the slowest speed round we've ever done. (laughs) So I gotta tell you, I love Tom. I was cracking up though because I'm like, he can't, like, he is not a celeb that can do a speed round because. He has so many like stories and things that he wants to like get out. That it's like a speed round. I realized halfway through, I'm like, we're scrapping the speed round because he <laughs> can't do it.
2: <laughs> that, that might have been the quietest episode I've ever did. I was I didn't know what to I didn't know when to chime in. You know, like it was like jump rope and you know when to jump in. I didn't know when to jump yeah. in. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I apologize for that. But he, it listen, was but I literally nice
1: texted Adam. I was like, Tom will keep talking. You you just gotta jump in because he is someone that like. He likes telling stories so unless you kind of get in there he's not going to stop and I I love that about him. I mean, he gave us great some stories, gems yeah. today. Yeah, no, great he's great stories. He's
2: had a crazy career so and uh, he loves talking about him and and I love people who talk about him. And I did I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I was just like, "Whoa, man, I've never that was that was impressive on his part. <laughs> not on my part, but on his part."
0: Oh, that's yeah, so yeah, funny. Yeah, well,
2: you can find uh, – Feel free, yeah.
1: To, yeah, feel free <laughs> to hit us up on our social media, Hollywood Raw. By the way, leave us messages, guys. We got a phone line up and running. You can dial one hwr line um, and leave us a message. If you guys have any questions you want to give to celebs, uh, hit up, hit us up. Leave us a message. We'd love it that. Yeah, and you
2: can follow – we have this whole podcast. You can listen – you can watch the podcast on our YouTube, TikTok, Facebook uh, we're on it all. Um, you can find me at, at AdamGlund. You can find the podcast at Hollywood Wall Podcast. You can find Dax Holt at, at D-A-X-H-O-L-T at Dax Holt. We'll see you guys next time. A Media Production.